Explore Sailing Topics with Imray, the podcast that brings pilot books to life. It's my great pleasure to welcome you to another edition in our series, Explore More with Imray. With me, Kerry Herford-Jones, as I talk to more of the Imray pilot book editors. Today, I'm meeting up with Peter Harvey, the editor of the Tidal Havens of the Wash and Humber, whose origins are definitely East Coast in terms of sailing, and who told me he's more used to boating around in muck as opposed to mucking around in boats. His love of all things that float goes right back to his school days, when the boat he built wouldn't actually fit out of the woodwork room. After serving in the Royal Navy, he got involved in various forms of marine consultancy that led him back to the wash, where he was involved in the design and building of Wisbeach Yacht Harbour, of which he later became harbour master. Now pretty much retired, he dedicates his time to helping the sailing community to explore more of his favourite part of the UK. I began our chat by asking him to explain how he actually ended up becoming a pilot book editor. One or two initiatives I'm involved with in trying to develop leisure boating around the Greater Wash area and this part of the East Coast. One of those was a marine tourism initiative called Sail the Wash, which is alive at the moment and has been led by three local authorities around that area. In launching that, I wanted as many people to whom it would be relevant to know about it so that they could reflect in what they were doing. And as a result, I contacted, amongst others, Imre and said, look, I don't know whether you're about to issue a new uh, edition of Tidal Havens of the Wash and the Humber, but if you are what you need to know is what's going on here rather than find out by default afterwards so i went and saw them and they were very keen to make sure that they they were taking account of uh, what was going on and over the, the course of a couple of conversations i went and on one occasion and and was about to say look if at any time the original author of this doesn't want to do it anymore, I'd be more happy to talk to you. And before I could say that, they said, funny you should talk about this, but we were going to ask you whether you might be interested in taking this publication on. So we very nicely had the same thought at the same time. A happy stance of connections. Let's talk about the previous incumbent, Henry Irving, of course. He really did set out a very good stall in terms of this book, a really good base for you to build on, didn't he? Absolutely. In a sense, my job is easy in that um, I'm, I'm just tweaking what Henry has included in, in all six editions, which he started in 1976, self-published originally. So a great initiative on his part. I'm merely bringing it up to date. Uh, and a lot has changed because the, the sixth edition, which was his last one, is dated 2011. A lot's happened since then, which I'm sure we'll get on to talk about and, and needs reflecting. But he, yes, Henry got to the point where he'd done six editions. And not only that, uh, you, you probably know that there's another book he has done for Imre just further up the coast. So I think he'd got to the point where he'd ha- had enough and was happy to hand it on. And I'm very happy to, uh, to do that. Well, as you say, a new edition on its way. A massive piece of work, though, as you say, 2011, masses of changes, including, of course, the ubiquitous number of wind farms that are now sprung up. Yes, and that's quite a change, isn't it? Certainly back in 2011, 
I can't remember quite the history, but the first one in that neck of the woods was Sheringham Shoal, which popped up, which was relatively small. But since then, we've got all the others off in um, Skegness and look out. Um, it's just a forest of the things now. And off the Humber Mouth, too, there is one that's pretty prominent. So, yes, they're a feature now, which we're, you know, love them or hate them. We're stuck with for quite a while, I would think. A useful aid to navigation no that we'll talk about later. Let's just remind ourselves, Peter, as to the actual area that is covered by this pilot book, please. OK, well, Tidal Havens of Wash and Humber, as its name suggests, a greater wash area, which is Blakeney in the east, coming back along the North Norfolk coast to include places like Wells, which a lot of people are very familiar with, I'm sure. And then around the corner at Hunstanton, into the wash itself, that uh, 200 square mile embayment where a lot of people think, you know, there are a lot of dragons living in the wash and and it's avoided like the plague. And in a sense, I understand that. If you're transiting the East Coast, say you're coming out of Lowestoft going north, where is your next safe haven? Good question. Well, principally, if you keep going, it's Grimsby just tucked in, it just pulling into the Humber there, and it's Grimsby on the Lincolnshire side. And it is, in fact, about the same distance to keep going up to Grimsby as it is to come into the wash and go to the likes of Wisbeach. So it's a perfectly reasonable question to ask. If anybody asks, why should I make that a diversion? Particularly when most of it, when the tide goes out, is somewhere you wouldn't take even the smallest cruising boat. My counter-argument is... As I said, there's 200 square miles of embayment there, and in the middle, at least, there's a lot of permanent deep water, and there are a lot of creeks and gats, call them what you will, amongst the sandbanks where there's always deep water, and it's not until you get closer inshore to the intertidal areas where you need to be uh, a little more careful than otherwise. In the main ports of the wash, Kings Lynn, Wisbeach and Sutton Bridge, and Boston have between them four to 5,000 shipping movements per annum, ships up to two and a half, three thousand tons carrying capacity, drawing four and a half meters. So if they can do it, you know, anyone can do it with a small 35 foot cruising boat drawing a meter and a half. It shouldn't be too difficult. As always, good preparation prevents grounding on the mud. You say in this pilot book about the swirling tides and shifting sands of the wash and having experienced it ourselves a little bit, I can relate to that. But some great sailing around there. I think that's what we got out of coming across the washes. There really is some real good fun to be had cruising this area, isn't there? I think so, yes. If your home port is on the south coast, I fully accept that you come out of your home port and into the English Channel, you probably leave the cover on the echo sounder. Whereas you come up to this part of the world, and if you haven't experienced it before, to suddenly see a lot of zeros on the echo sounder can, can sort of get your attention a bit. <laughs> so so I, 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 I fully understand reservations in that respect. But you're right, there is a lot of enjoyable sailing to be done insufficient deep water, albeit tidally constrained. That's one of the big factors. You come out of one river and you can't just pop into the next one. So there's a bit more planning involved than sort of coming out of Ocean Village and thinking I'll pop along to Livington for the afternoon and then come back again. If that's what you're used to and and you can't sort of wean yourself off it, then fine. Maybe 
the East Coast is not for you. But as long as you accept the, the tidally constrained factors and are happy that you perhaps look across to what passes for a horizon and can't see another sail, then it's a very enjoyable experience. And I think all the more so for that, quite frankly. Let's look at one or two of your favourite places to visit then, Peter, in the pilot book. I'd imagine that Wells Next Sea is in your top three, is it? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, Wells has been welcoming small boats for a long time and simple you know, time, speed, distance calculation. I mean, if you're coming across from nearby continent Europe, and a lot of Dutch people do come across to, to our neck of the woods, Wells is logically the first place you come to, isn't it? And they are very welcoming. It, it's a, a fun seaside town, fish and chips and beach and all the rest of it. In fact, I think the calculation, they have about 2,000 people living there, but every summer they about, the population's about 12,000. But if you've got any sense, you don't visit it from the land, do you? you visit it from your boat. And that's, that's a, very, a very different proposition. They are very welcoming, um, have been for a long time. But of course, as you probably found if you've been in there more recently, they've built a very nice visitor pontoon there where you can stay afloat which has in the past been a bit of a novelty uh, in the area we're discussing. But even my boat, which is drawing just under two metres, you know, if I'm careful, I can go on that pontoon and stay afloat without any trouble. And that makes the whole visit a, a lot more enjoyable. So, yeah, Wells, if you were going to have an extended cruise in this part of the world, you wouldn't leave Wells out of it. And they're, they're very friendly and keen to make your experience an enjoyable one. Where else? Well, around the wash, what have you got? You've got by river. Once you've done wells and turned left into the wash in terms of locations, the first one you've got on that hand is Kings Lynn and the River Great Ooze. Kings Lynn now has a very accommodating visitor pontoon right hard by the centre of the town there. Kings Lynn, very nice place. Lots of maritime heritage. Used to be part of the Hanseatic League, didn't it? Which they're very proud to remind people of. And getting on a pace with their waterfront development. So that's worth a visit. I think, too, what I'm trying to reflect in the pilot guide and, and certainly the, that Sail the Wash project has is that because you can't marina hop around here, you can nevertheless enjoy the tourism experience within the region by taking your boat to a place like Kings Lynn, leaving it there a couple of days and using the public transport link to see the local attractions, even getting on the bus and going to the Cathedral City of Norwich, for example, which is a million miles away. So there's, there's a lot one can do if you're just prepared to, to look at the cruising experience is slightly obliquely from what you might have otherwise have been used to. But going around the tidal river Neen, you've got Sutton Bridge a couple of miles up from the river mouth. Tiny settlement at Sutton Bridge, but if you were just popping in perhaps for a bit of shelter and some provisions, it's got all you require. Beyond the the swing bridge, another seven miles upstream is Wisbeach with the marina I touched on earlier that I've been involved with, you know, 150 berths there. Part of the, the development over the last 20 years, believe it or not, that it is, has been a boatyard facility. There's a 75-ton boat lift in there now and a thriving boatyard with the marine trades that come on the back of it, which doesn't happen overnight, but nevertheless, it makes the whole place a far better prospect the, the cruising yachtsman or woman. Further round in the corner, Fosdyke, a little um, private marina there on the River Welland. 
and he's got boat, good boat yard, boat trades, 50-odd ton boat lift. The River Witham up to Boston, they haven't got moorings on the tidal side yet, but are working hard on it. But on the non-tidal side, of course, you can go through the sea lock there as long as you're not worried about air draft, because you've got to go under a fixed bridge. It's idyllic there. With the right boat, you can take it as far as Lincoln, Kerry. There's a lot of choice, which we're now trying to raise awareness of through the new publication. What we're missing out here, of course, is, is Humble. We haven't got up there yet. Do you want to go up there? I think we ought to. I think we've got to talk about getting into Grimsby as well. It's an experience all by itself, isn't it, in many ways? It is indeed. The, <laughs> yes, out, out of the wash... Again, turn left around Gibraltar Point. There's a little creek up there, the Wainfleet, of course, with one of these, and it's it's a feature of this neck of the woods and reflected in the Humber. A lot of little tidal creeks with thriving sort of DIY self-help boat clubs where people keep their boats on drying moorings but have a whale of a time, and you know I don't knock that, even though they can't go sailing every weekend. The tide doesn't serve necessarily. They exist, and there's one just tucked behind Gibraltar Point there, but... Turn left around Gibraltar Point, keeping inside the wind farm, a nice coasting passage, not a five-minute exercise and nowhere to go in the meantime. But once you get to the Humber and turn in there, the logical first place, as you say, is Grimsby, where the Humber Cruising Association have their lovely marina and uh, shoreside facilities. New clubhouse now, which is just got everything you could possibly want. And they are extremely welcoming. And, of course, it's a modern marina in, in every sense where, of course, you can stay afloat. So that's the first logical place when you go in there and then to move on from there. So let's have a look at the overall feel of the area. And in terms of getting to it, Peter, fairly straightforward, no major challenges, just got to be prepared for a reasonable day sailing to get to the area, really, from the south coast. Well, yes, if you decide you want to, to come this far up the east coast and your origins are south coast, once you round South Falland and heading north, I mean, you've got lots of day sailing options until you get to Lowestoft. Then it thins out a bit, as, as we touched on earlier, because from Lowestoft, you're either going up to the Humber, and it's thick over 100 nautical miles, or you're coming around into the Wash. You're talking a much the same distance, a bit less to, to Wells, of course. You're talking about a two-tide passage. Are you going to push foul tide, or are you going to anchor, and then wait for the next favourable tide? So a bit more planning that uh, a lot of people perhaps wouldn't be as used to as some of the locals, but nevertheless, as we've said, with a bit of planning and a bit of attention to the pilot guide, it can be done. It is a pleasant coastal passage. I think it's always nicer to look out and see a shoreline if you keep your boat on the south coast, particularly around the Portsmouth area. The, the sort of milk run is Cherbourg, isn't it? Two tides of grey sea. Well, bit of a yawn, really, isn't it? But around here, some nice coastline to look at which in some places is relatively featureless. You can get in pretty close in places. That becomes more interesting and, in a sense, makes your... Well, it's, it's more pilotage than navigation, but nevertheless, maintaining the course is perhaps easier. So, yes, it's coasting round into the wash and it's coasting up to the Humber. If you're coming from further offshore, coming across from the near continent, for example, if you're north of sort of 53 degrees, I think it is from memory, there's a lot more open water south of that, particularly into the wash. It's a little trickier with offlying feature. There is a route in if you're looking at the, the relevant chart. 
which is Cromer Smith's Knoll. So you come in round Smith's Knoll up through the Haysborough Gap. And once you look at that on the chart, it all has a logic about it. So again, not too much difficulty in the general scheme of things. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get back to our fabulous guest. To enjoy more of your time on the water safely, Imre have the solution. From almanacs and handbooks, to inland waterway maps and guides, from pilot and cruising guides, to digital versions that allow you access to all the data, whatever size of craft you use, Imre have all the information you need. Just search Imre today. Apart from the title Havens of the Wash and Humber, you're also going to be starting to work on another area that actually aligns quite nicely with this particular cruising part of the world, isn't it, Peter? Yes, the other publication that Henry Irving originated was the, the next bit of coast up, really, which is the pilot he entitled Cook's Country, a, a nod to James Cook, of course, started his sailing life in and around Whitby. But it's the pilot guide that covers Burnhead, just on the northern corner of the Humber there, up to and including St Abbs Head, just north of Berwick, right. and all places in between, which Imre has said when we finish Tidal Havens, would I like to bring that one up to date, which I'm planning a, a cruise next exciting season to do it justice, because that's the next bit up, and one, it's essentially different. It's still part of the East Coast. I mean, Spurn North, as we've already been discussing, the tidal constraints are your biggest consideration. Mm. But north of the Humber, it got out of Whitby, in fact, before you can get into sort of day sailing legs as we would know and love them. North of the Humber, you've got Bridlington, where you've got to be prepared to take the ground. Scarborough, north of that, not so bad in terms of drying out, but nevertheless tidally constrained. Whitby starts to get easier. And as I say, after that, then you've got more options within day sailing distance, whether they're conventional marina type moorings or whether they be the lesser known harbours and havens, which all have their charm. And the, the, the more adventurous amongst us would be interested in nosing into. So that, that's the next plan, yes. Yeah, and Cook's Country goes up as far as... Just north of Berwick. It, it includes St Abbs Head. Berwick on Tweed is, is the last meaningful port of refuge there. With the Tynes and the Tees and the Hartlepools of this world, which are all relatively developed now, and they all, all had their waterfront development, which makes them really nice places to cruise into. But some of the smaller places too, I mean, you can hardly watch an episode of Vera, can you, without seeing some little harbour or haven that looks interesting. I mean, Farn Islands, for example, I mean, what well, could be nicer than oh. dropping the hook around the Farn Islands? So lots to do and see there in a relatively uh, unconventional sense. And that's what the next pilot covers. So I'm looking forward to that. Excellent. And of course, you'll have the uh, interesting time of Hartlepool, as you mentioned just then. We found that very... Yeah. Very interesting mooring in there with the little marina that is so uh, well run by the club and it's so lovely to have something so easy to get in and out of without having to go into a full-blow marina. That's an interesting example and one or two around the Humber too that that are, are essentially DIY club 
members-run facilities, and they have a great charm about them, which some of the bigger, sort of more formal marinas perhaps don't. Mm. No disrespect intended. Mm. Let's go back to your main pilot book, and let's mm-hmm. just look at a few of the anchorages and places to visit down there that it might be a bit more of a challenge, but well worth the effort. There, there are anchorages which you can treat as destinations, which I think are, are nice to do in their own right. North Norfolk tidal harbours, which are more interesting to the people who trail and sail rather than the cruiser even with, uh, you know, a metre and a half draft, if they've got any problems taking the ground. In, in a conventional cruising sense, they wouldn't be top of your list. But around the wharf, Kings Lynn, Wisbeach, Sutton Bridge, Fosdyke, all with marina facilities now where you can remain afloat. The Witham Boston has not come into the fold yet, but is working on it. Unless you're not constrained by air draft, and if you're not, you can get through onto the non-tidal side in Boston, and you can take your boat up to Lincoln if you're not constrained by air draft. It's very easy, isn't it? I think you write these things from your own perspective. Yeah. That you do it at your peril. My boat draws 1.9, and I've got 17-metre air draft. You need to stand back and think, if you've got a motor cruiser, you can go through onto the non-tidal side. Um and take it up to Lincoln, and what's wrong with doing something like that? Then going up to the Humber, apart from the ones we've talked about, Grimsby and Hull, which is uh, more conventional in a marina-type sense, just west of the Humber Bridge on the Lincolnshire side, you've got South Ferriby, which is the end of the River Ancolm, which is a locked entrance to the river itself. So you can tuck in there with most boats that uh, people go cruising in, Stair float inside, no trouble at all. Why would you go there? It's it's a bit out of the way, but it's another destination. Mm. And I was up there relatively recently. I went up there by road just to fill in a few gaps for the for the publication. Took my wife for a couple of days, so she was able to play the tourist with me. And we were in South Ferriby, and she said, "Oh, it's lunchtime. There's a pub over there, and it's the the river, Riverside Pub." So there's a Michelin endorsed pub right on the lock side there at South Therapy. So, again, what more reason than that do you want to go there? So, uh, um, it's reasons to find it, isn't it? And further up, as I said, Ghoul, the inland port of Ghoul, with the benefit of, of the local charts that the Harbour Authority produce, you could lock into Ghoul. So, again, you're not in any danger of drying out. You've got two or three options in terms of where you can moor there. The town of Ghoul has every amenity you could reasonably want. And if you've got the right boat, as I said, you can cruise up to York and enjoy the delights of that city. But again, prepare to leave the boat for a bit. Mm. Um, why not hop on a train? It's all well connected there. So for just be a landborn tourist for the day. These are all good reasons to visit and, and just get off the relatively well-worn tracks that most of us are content with. Yeah, really good logical perspective really good logical connection with making the best of your time connecting with the land uh, connecting with the places you visit rather than just becoming as we sometimes are in the south marina tourist that's right one thing we need to touch on are the shifting sands of the area we are blessed with a, a reasonable number of people out there uh, who are contracted to produce uh, new chartlets and to do some surveys in certain areas. Obviously, the Humber I'm thinking of particularly there. Yeah. What about where updates are needed for other parts of the area that you cover in the pilot book, Peter? What's the situation there in terms of getting the latest information? 
Well, we've been doing some local surveying for another project that's sort of marine tourism related where the wash is concerned. And the the results of that are just about to be reflected in the latest UK Admiralty charts, and Imre will pick up on those too. In terms of buoyed channels into the wash ports, these are being surveyed pretty continuously by the relevant harbour authorities. And if you pick anyone you like and go on the Harbour Authority website, you can invariably download their latest local chartlet, which will show the Boyd Channel, show the results of their most recent surveys. And they're doing this not for the leisure boat, they're doing it for the commercial ships that come in and out of the mm. wash. So you just piggyback on, the, on that and enjoy the benefits of it. And you're getting the benefit of regular surveys which result in boys being moved off a cable that way or sometimes more mm. or sometimes the channel breaks through and goes somewhere different but the harbour authority quickly pick up on it if they don't they pay, they pay the price um, so they're quickly picking up on it and reflecting it in their local chartlets which are readily available through their uh, through their websites before you even contemplate going there and as far as the Humber is concerned ABP the harbour authority is surveying almost continuously and either you can see the results of their surveys through their very comprehensive website or you can buy paper charts the paper chart versions of those surveys through two local chart agents so there's absolutely no excuse for not knowing where the wet bits are as opposed to the dry, the dry bit because changes are being monitored almost continuously and reflected in published information from the relevant harbour authorities. So it's all there for the asking. That's the point, isn't it? It's all there. You just have to look at it. We could talk for hours on your pilot book, Peter, but I think uh, we reached the end of today's podcast. There are a couple of areas i still like to talk to you about, and that is one we found very useful in this particular pilot book was the tidal streams towards the back of the book. And I thought they were really well laid out. And I like the fact that there's no mathematical Einstein requirements needed for the way these little tidal stream books are produced at the back. I better not change that then, by the sound of it. I'll <laughs> um, leave it as it is, yes. Um, the, yes, the, the tides can be, in places, can be fairly rapid. And there are some odd quirks of tides. I mean, the river I know best is the, where I was master for 10 years, the tidal river Neen. Mm. And... Like many such tidal rivers with strong fluvial flow, you get uh, three hours of flood and nine hours of air. So Indeed. That, um, Indeed. So, so, sometimes on big springs, you get no stand. You stand, stand and yeah. watch it. It's coming in one minute and all of a sudden it's going the other way. There are things to be aware of that y- you may not come across in the normal course of events. The reason for seeking out local knowledge, talking to people who know their neck of the woods better than anybody, talking to the harbour authorities who will help you because they don't want you coming to grief. They don't want you being a nuisance to them. So from their own self-interested point of view, they will be helpful because the leisure boating scene is developing all the time in the areas we're discussing and more leisure boats are coming and going. The harbour authorities are reflecting that in their levels of interest. What's the biggest challenges, do you think, Peter, for producing a pilot book like this? You've got to keep it up to date and keep it relevant, not including too much detail that can change quickly. We do supplements to them 
between editions, but not putting stuff in there that changes too quickly. Contacts change. You get a local contact next time you ring them up, they retired or emigrated or something. What I try and be mindful of is the point of view of others you know no two cruising people are alike are they it's it's not about right. what i like it's what about a, a host of people with different tastes and interests and and predilections like and trying to think of it from their point of view and reflect in the book you know a broad range of what might be attractive you meet one cruiser and it's a, a bunch of lads just interested in the, the marina and the pub aren't they and another, yeah. another you'll, you'll find very much a family and a, a female perspective, which my wife is continually reminding me of. So it's it's a case of it's a, a, case, a case of looking at it always from the point of view of a broad range of cruising ambitions. So for anybody languishing down in the Solent at the moment, perhaps thinking, where am I going to cruise next year? What would your recommendation be, and why should they consider coming up to your part of the world, Peter? Well, buzzing around the Solent is fine, but I think. We're all interested in somewhere different than somewhere you haven't been before, aren't we? It's, it's a, hmm. it's, there's a, a curiosity, and coming around the South Fall and going north is essentially different. If you were coming out of the Solent and doing that, I mean, you've got an awful lot that's interesting before you ever get near the likes of the Wash and the Humber. But there's a, a big welcome up there. What will frighten you most, I suppose, is when you see the echo sounder with numbers on it that are very different from what, what you're used to. But generally speaking, even if you did come to an unexpected halt occasionally, the bottom is, is fairly, fairly forgiving in most places. There's plenty of deep water if you know where to find it. Where it is is well documented if you've got the right publications to consult. And in terms of what you could enjoy once you've found one of these new destinations and moored up and gone ashore there's an awful lot there so um mm. come and have a look yeah yeah you've sold it well peter we're sitting here at the moment in the lovely uh, town of amble having cruised as i said a number of times through the area now and i have to say some fantastic sailing i mean our, our crossing of the wash eight nine hours i think it was out of wells next sea up to grimsby some of the best sailing we've ever enjoyed. It was absolutely yeah. superb. Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, plenty of water that's deep enough. I know people worry about the wash particularly and think there are dragons there or something, but you look at the chart and it's 200 square miles of water. I know a lot of it's intertidal, right in the middle, lots of deep water. Not so many years ago, a 50,000 ton ship came in there for a bit of shelter. So if they, wow. if they, wow. if they, could, if they can do it, you know, if you've got a metre and a half draft, you know, what are you arguing? Let's, let's face it, the coastline is superb i mean it's spectacular is a word i would use it is some people will refer to it as featureless and bits of it are but on the other hand i think too kerry cruising up the east coast you needn't be very far from the coast for the most part isn't that a lot more interesting and lots of featureless gray sea for yeah sake? yeah Final point then for today's podcast is going to be this is not a solo effort producing a pilot book like this, is it? Absolutely not. There's a lot of lot fed into it by a lot of people. It's not just about me. So one's um, 
I don't claim any originality. You know, I, you go around gathering information. There are a lot of people who know a lot more about local areas than I do. I'm, in a sense, I'm just collating it. And of course, the, the wonderful people at Imre who put this thing together and their expertise is tremendous and yeah. considerable. They've been doing it a long time. So I'm just the crude end of it, really. I'm just, just the, <laughs> the, the raw material and what they, what they produce out of it. I, mean, I couldn't do it. So um all part of them fantastic and i know all the pilot book editors that i talk to are always keen to hear from people that have visited these places and may see some additions or some changes you're always wanting to hear from other people aren't you oh look if i get it wrong i'm absolutely certain some somebody will tell me very quickly i'll put my hand up if i get something wrong but uh, far better that you know somebody points it out and we get it right in the supplement or ultimately in a new edition so um, very keen to get contributions from and whenever so that's a, a, an open invitation okay. fantastic uh, peter harvey uh, absolutely delighted to talk to you today sir about the forthcoming new updated edition of the tidal havens of the wash and humber i hope you have many years of extensive cruising and enjoyment yourself sir thank you very much nice to talk to you thank you so much for listening to today's podcast sponsored by Imray. Join me again soon as I meet up with more of the people who research and contribute to the many books and guides that Imray produce. These podcasts are here to hopefully provide you with some more information and inspiration in order to help you gain the confidence to explore more of the waterways of the world.